Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we come to the penultimate uh, sermon in a series on uh, spiritual gifts. And we come to teachers. And it's quite easy with this one to think, ah, I know who the teachers are, because they teach. That's what they do for a living. We know Helen's a teacher. That must be her spiritual gift. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Because you see, the thing is this, like the other spiritual gifts that we've spoken about, about apostles and pastors and prophets and evangelists, I think that actually all of those are gifts, and we could do almost any job with those gifts. But whatever job we do, it's that gift that kind of shines through. So, you will get some people who have the role of church leader, or vicar, or priest, or pastor, or minister, or whatever title you might give them, depending on the denomination. My favourite, I think, is being called a pastor. I like being a pastor. I'm not a vicar. We don't have those in the Baptist church. I got called father once and I thought it was a bit strange, but it was all right. My kids don't call me that, but somebody older than me did. And I thought, really? But some of those people aren't very pastoral. It's just not their natural thing. They're brilliant at other things. They're wonderful in other areas that they are needed, but they are not pastoral. And that's okay, so long as you know that. It can be frustrating if you don't, and you think, well, the vicar should do this. The minister should do this. They haven't visited me. Well, maybe they don't want them to, because actually they're rubbish. You want someone else in the church to come and visit you, because they'll be really nice and won't sit awkwardly not knowing what to say. I don't know. But it's the same with teachers. We think, ah, oh, because somebody is a teacher, that must mean their spiritual gift is teaching. And I argue that it's only possible that way. My mum, for her entire career, was a teacher. I don't know if she was any good or not. I'll, I'll assume that she was the best teacher there ever was, because she's my mum. So I'm going to say that. You can't, get, you can't tell me I'm wrong, because none of you had her for a teacher. However, I would argue, in my mum's case, that her spiritual gift was actually pastoral. She was much more of a pastor. Her main concern, I don't think, although she had to do it for a job, 
wasn't that children learnt to read and write and that they reached whatever target had been set on the national curriculum that year. She did care about that, but I don't think it was her top priority. I think she cared more about the welfare of the children. The primary thing for her was were they safe? Were they healthy? Did they get meals to eat? Did, were they clothed? And she cared for them and she loved on them. Because that's who she is. And if you've met my mum, you might have picked up on some of that. She wants to find out how people are. That's why, at the moment, she now has the role in the church she's at of being overseeing pastoral care. Because that's what she's good at. That's what she's natural at. It just, it's who she is. And it doesn't matter whether she's got the title of pastoral care coordinator, or whether she's a teacher, or whether she's being a mum, or whether she's being a grandma, or whether she's doing the shopping, and she's popped into Tesco and is having a wander round. Somehow, because of the way that God has made her, she just cares for people. She likes having people over for dinner or for tea and doing things like that because she wants to care for people because that is how God has made her. She's given that gift. But that's pastoral care. And so as a teacher, she did it from a pastoral perspective. There's other people who are teachers but they haven't got the role of a teacher. They don't work in a school, but they're just naturally teachers. They're always wanting other people to learn something. So they could be doing any task, but they kind of take somebody under their wing or a group of people under their wing and they, they just naturally are showing other people how things are done and giving them an opportunity to grow and to learn. So it might be, as I've I think I used the example last week or a few weeks ago. You know when somebody serves tea or coffee, and it can be here, it can be in a supermarket, coffee shop, or it can be in a cafe or whatever. You know the person who's just making you a cup of tea. It's a task to be done, get it done, give you the tea, done. You know it's different when somebody does it and they somehow show that they care through the way that they make you a drink and perhaps it's the way that they ask how you're doing as they make it and I don't know, you just feel somehow loved by being given a cup of tea. There's other people that they will notice that somebody needs a job to do or a task to do. Perhaps they've spotted a young person, they go, hey why, come here, let me teach you how to make a cup of tea. And they'll be the person that naturally passes on information and gifts and skills and enables other people to do stuff because they're teachers. It's a natural part of who we are. I want to get a task done. I want to go, right, this is what needs doing, let's crack on, end result, finish. If we were going to paint this room, for example, I just want to get it painted. What's the quickest way of getting it done? Sorted. Somebody else would look at it and go, no, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to maybe get some people in that have never painted a room before. Maybe we need to encourage them. We need to build up their self-esteem and show you can do it. And they'll teach them how to use a roller or a brush and, and they'll enjoy that bit of the process. And it might take a bit longer and it might frustrate me because I want to get it done. But teachers are wonderful because they will allow others to learn. 
Now in the context of this passage, and in fact in the context in where it talks about teachers uh, in the passages that we have looked at back in Ephesians 4, it's for the benefit of the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean this specific church at this time and this place. I mean the people of God. Because it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. But before that it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now... There's one thing when somebody tells you, oh, God loves you, and uh, you need to be filled with his peace. There's another thing, when a teacher explains it to you. Because a teacher just finds ways of helping you to understand who Christ is and what he's done. Now, I do my best, and hopefully we get on all right, and... I don't leave you at the end of a service going, what on earth was Rich waffling on about? Though sometimes I'm sure that might be the case. But teachers will do it in all sorts of different ways. And what I like about this passage is it says, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And often when we think of teaching, it's in a classroom perhaps, maybe in a church. But I don't know if you only think of the teaching as coming from the sermon or whether the teaching comes through everything that we do. Because when we sing the songs, that's when the things that we believe become embedded within us. Because you're not going to go home from here humming a sermon and going, oh, I remember that really great quote. If anything, you'll go home from here or if you've got a favourite hymn It's probably because of the words it says and things that you believe. It's a song that means something to you, not just a nice tune, but there's something that you hold on to of the truths of God because of what comes out in the music. And perhaps you go away going, I can't remember what Rich preached on today, but we sang that song that I really love. We're going to sing one of those finish the service in a minute, which is Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. And I've got a feeling I'm going to be humming that until this afternoon because it's one of my favourite old hymns, or older hymns. And it teaches us through the words of the song. And it helps us to remember because you hum the tune and go, what was that word? Teachers help us to do that. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And we need teachers. We need teachers in our church. We, know, we, we need to know who the teachers are in our church. Because there will be people here who are quite new to the church. And you walk in the building for the first time and you think, how, how does church happen? How do they do things at Usley Baptist? Because we don't do it the same as everywhere else. And I don't just mean that because we're slightly odd and different. But I mean every church is slightly different. I was preaching before I came to Usley in a different church pretty much every Sunday for about a year. And I would often get feedback, I'd say, or I'd say before I went there, could you let me know how you do things? 
You've asked me to serve communion. How do you do communion in your church? How do you do the offering in your church? And people would say, oh, we just do it the same as every Baptist church. I'd say, you've obviously never been to more than one Baptist church then. And I remember on occasions, standing there, having sent the order of service and asked for feedback, and is there anything that I need to do differently? No, no, it's fine. And I'd stand there and say, we're now going to take up the offering. We don't take up an offering in this church. Oh, how do you do it then? Oh, there's a box by the door and you put the money in if you want to on the way out. Oh, well, that's not the same as every other Baptist church. There are others that do it like that. Some would say, oh, we don't, we don't have communion where it's served, where you walk around with the little cups, people come up. Okay, well, it would have been helpful to know that maybe 24 hours earlier rather than now. Because the administrative person who's sorted it out hasn't thought about that. The teacher shares that information. Because the teacher goes, well, they need to learn. And the teacher's wonderful at taking people under their, their wing and going, oh, right, you've never led a service before. You've never helped in Sunday school. You've not served the coffee. You've not painted a wall. Let me help you. And not to do it for you, but so that you have the skills to be able to do it yourself. Now, we're all supposed to teach each other. It's not a kind of limited to only those people who've got that specific gift. Because it doesn't say in this passage, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as the teachers teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom. It's as you all teach one another. And I think that's the same with all the gifts that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We're, We're all called to use all of them. Not only some of us are evangelists, all of us should be sharing the love of Christ. But some of us are just more naturally gifted in that way. And it's wonderful. And, and with teachers and with others sharing those gifts together, that is when the church can grow. Because it's when we all know what our gift is and that we're confident in using it, and we're put in positions where we can use it, that we don't say, oh, just because you've got children, you should help in Sunday school. Because actually, some people with children, they're not going to help our children to grow because they're not teachers and they're not pastoral. They need to be doing other things in the church. And some of us who don't do Sunday school, for example, actually might be really good at Sunday school, but we've never had the opportunity. I only use that as one example. There are plenty of others. People who welcome us on the door each week. Some people will be really great at that. Other people wouldn't be. And that's okay. Some people would be wonderful at doing maintenance around the church. Some people, the last thing we should do is give them a screwdriver or a drill. And that's okay. As a church... It's a body of people. We need to learn, and the way we're going to learn is spending time together and hopefully getting help from the teachers. Because the teachers can help us to understand one another and go, okay, so what, what Rich is saying, let me explain it to you in a way that you can understand. And the teachers are really great at that. And they help us to understand one another or Perhaps it's not what Rich is saying, it's perhaps that Rich doesn't understand. And needs to hear from the teachers to explain 
what each of you are saying so that I'm able to understand the things that I need to. So we need to celebrate our teachers. We need to value our teachers. We need to utilise our teachers. And ultimately God is our teacher and our guide. And the way that we learn is through coming to him. And we can do that by prayer. We can do it by reading and studying his word. And there's different ways of studying God's word. You might study it from a perspective of sit down and have a Bible study and understand the theology and the context in which it was written two or three thousand years ago and therefore what it says today. Or you might say, I'm not worried about that, I'm just going to meditate on God's word and I'm going to read bits of it and allow God to speak to me through it. Both are valuable, both have their downsides, both are important because coming knowing God's word helps us to know him and helps him to teach us that when we say speak O Lord as we come to you this is how he speaks to us he speaks to us through the songs through the prayers through the times of silence through communion and through his word